welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning, everyone. It's always fun to be up here and get to see, like, the whole gang at one time. A lot of good-looking people out here, so congratulations. Um, My name is Catherine Scipioni, and I oversee the prayer team here at Awaken. And for our call to worship this morning, I have um, a poem by poet Lucy Shaw. Um, She is 93 and released her latest collection of poems in 2020, um, kind of like inspired by the pandemic. Uh, So this one is called A Wild Embrace. How creation dares us into a wild embrace of what is too beautiful to ignore. You open your front door, breathe, and all the old dust and confusion of your life falls behind you. You are not to obsess about it, no matter how it calls you. Instead, bend and examine closely how the grass has grown an inch under last night's rain, and the peony buds are swelling, the tips of pink petals already bursting free, like prisoners wrongly convicted and now released. There is such generosity out there, reaching towards you with hands open, claiming you a created being issuing from the open mouth of God. That's great, that's great, that's great. All right, friends, if you wanna make your way back to your seats, that'd be awesome. Tough crowd to control, I like it, I like it. Rambunctious. as I mentioned, my name's Micah. Welcome to Kickoff Sunday, everybody. Yeah. To you in the balcony, I see you. Nice to see you guys up there. Love it. Um, we are back. It is fall. Kids are back in school. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Tax dollars at work. It's so good. Um, I have a couple of things we want to let you know about before we jump into today's teaching. Uh, first and foremost, if you're new at Awaken, we're really glad that you're here. We'd love to know that you were here. So in the seat pockets in front of you or online, there's a way for you to fill out a card that lets us know that you're here. Um, someone from our team will reach out, uh, invite you to a beverage of your choice. We can get to know each other a little bit more and see if Awaken isn't a good fit for you. Uh, those cards, as well as any tithes or offerings that you might have this morning, can go in the black boxes if you fill them out here. They're at each of the exits. And I just want to let you know, sometimes people wonder, like, where does, if I give to the church, like, where does that money go? This is a, a, in a, from an email from Ein Dai Young Center, which is one of our missional partners over this last year. 1% of your tithes and offerings goes to support this, uh, this work. It's a nonprofit serving Native youth. And some folks from Awaken went and helped paint uh, one of their uh, facilities, and they wrote, on behalf of the children and staff of Ainda Young, thank you for your time on Thursday. Your hard work in freshening up our entry foyer, stairwells, and de-escalation room have made a huge impact. We're looking forward to working with Naomi Zupfer, one of our own, on the creation of a mural in the de-escalation space, adding some new furniture, hopefully new flooring. So we're so grateful for the com- uh, community members working together to support Ainda Young. That's you guys. So way to go. Thank you. Appreciate your hard work. Lots of things happening around here. Uh, on your way out, if you're interested in like refugee uh, care ministry, um, one of our other partners, International Association for Refugees, they have a, the Jonathan House. They have a, a, a printout that's at the Discover Awaken booth with all kinds of ways to connect in that. So lots of things going uh, happening. I want to just let you know about a couple of them. 
Um, a few announcements. The youth kickoff is tonight, so if you are between the ages, well, the grades of 6 and 12, 5.30 tonight, Trevor and the youth team are kicking off the youth program, so that's happening here. Uh, after church, if you brought a picnic lunch, some folks are meeting over at Palace Park, so you're welcome to join folks there or pick up something to go and join them. That's today after church. Discover Awaken is coming September the 25th. That's if you're new, want to find out more about Awaken, uh, a class that we host, lunch is provided, and uh, have an opportunity to ask questions and hear a little bit more about our story. So that's the 25th of September. There is an Every Meal packing event. So Wednesday night, the 28th, we partner with Every Meal. Um, to, oh, sorry, yeah, there we go. Um, I thought somebody was telling me I'm saying something I shouldn't say, but just the children chatting in the front. Um, packing event, uh, we support every meal. Uh, great, great program, and uh, that's on the 28th, 6 to 8, so you can uh, help with that. And last but not least, today is the last day for the fall retreat. Sign up. How many do we have? Do you know? 121 people are registered for the fall retreat. This is going to be so fun, you guys. It's going to be so great. So uh, today's the last day for that. By the way, in case you're wondering, the day of the retreat, so that weekend, uh, we will record like a, a, the podcast, that the sermon that I would have normally given for those that don't make it on the retreat, and that will be available to you, but there will be no services here at the church. So you should know that. Um, I think that's all I've got for that. Are you guys ready to rock and roll? All right, John chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. I want to begin with a story that Laura actually shared with me a long time ago, uh, before we had kids. It's a little poem, a little, little story. And I, I, I know I run the risk of repeating myself, and some of you have heard this story before, but there's a lot of new faces around Awaken. So I thought, you know, this one's worth repeating because it really gets at uh, an important question that we were asking at that point in our lives, which is like, what, what kind of house do we want to make? Like, what kind of home do we want to build? And uh, it's fall, and it's a new beginning, and, you know, we're as a church asking lots of good questions about who do we want to be in this next season of ministry as God sort of calls us and leads us into the future? What kind of church do we want to be? And so I want to uh, begin with this. This is called The Place Where Grace Lives. All the neighborhood kids want to hang out at the house where Grace lives. There's more dirt to be swept. There are more snacks to be made. The grass doesn't grow outside the back door or under the swing. The kids show up and they hang out. They get loved where Grace lives. The dust may be a little thicker on top of the TV and the closet's a bit cluttered, but hearts have been tended where Grace lives. There's always enough room for one more where Grace lives, one more for dinner, one more to sleep over, one more hug, one more kiss. The lights are on late where Grace lives. Grace stays up to listen and hug in the dark and wipe away tears of disappointment and pain. You can see people dancing where Grace lives because Dad hung up the phone and turned up the music and yelled, Dance party. Sometimes the children just watch from behind their cereal box and catch, a, uh, catch a, uh, the grace of a silly mom. You can hear things like, Please forgive me. I was wrong. I'm disappointed, but I love you. You're my treasure. You're my blessing. Let me pray for you. The eyes of the children where Grace lives shine with joy and anticipation. They've not been wounded by impossible expectations. They've not been distanced by rejection. They've been embraced and accepted and loved because they belong. When we were starting to have kids and thinking about having kids, we asked, like, what kind of house do we want to, like, create? What kind of home do we want to be a, a part of making? And in, in some ways, I'm proud of the little house we've made at 132 Arian. Uh, we've done some of these things, and we're living into that. We've failed miserably on all kinds of other fronts, and we're trying. But as we begin this fall together, I thought it would be a good thing to ask us as a church, what kind of church do you want to build? 
Like, what kind of church do you want to be? Uh, We've all been to churches, I presume, throughout our lives, and we've had different experiences at them, and maybe some good and some bad, and everywhere in between. But each year in the fall, we kind of pause and we stop, and we take this time to reassess and to remember, to evaluate, to sort of reground ourselves in the kind of church that we want to be. And so I'll ask you this morning, if you, maybe an an all-play question, if you've never been to Awaken, I'll actually ask this question. I'd love to hear your thoughts and answers, so shout them out. Uh, In a word or two, what kind of church do you want to build? Oh, wow, this is great. Okay, well, man, usually it takes a little bit, but you guys are, you're pumped up. I heard one back here. Say it again. God-fearing. What else? Inviting. Inviting. Loving. Loving. Safe. Kind, curious, curious. Community. community, inclusive, full of grace, full of grace. Safe. safe, authentic. Thank you from the transepts. <laughs> Say it again. Generous. Here's the thing, guys. Um, you can do that. Like, you get to choose what kind of church we want to be because you're the church. You're the people who get to make this happen. So if we set our intentions on being a certain kind of church, it's not my job to make it. It's not Jenna's job. It's not Mel's job. It's not the staff's job to to create that environment or that reality. It's our invitation. So we get to create the kind of church that we want to be. Uh, Over the next six weeks, we're going to press into this question of what kind of church do we want to be? And remember... Broadly, like zooming way out, we exist as a church to partner with God in the renewal of all things. That's our mission statement. And we want to do that by living into these kind of three realities or these environments of live, serve, and gather. So we want to be living lives authentically as people outside of Sunday morning, in your homes, in your neighborhoods. We want you to be like fostering relationships and connections with each other and growing in your faith, living your lives, right? We want to be serving. We want, uh, like, the church is about breathing in, yes, right? That's living and, and gathering together. But serving is about breathing out. So we want, we want to live, we want to serve. We want to serve our neighbor and serve the world and love the world. And we want to gather. So we gather to tell and retell the stories of Jesus, right? To celebrate the sacraments and worship together. All the while, we do that noting and saying explicitly these six words over here on this banner are values that we want to be present in the cocktail called Awaken. So when people come to Awaken, my hope is that they recognize that these ideas are a part of the experience, that when they come and they meet you and they worship in this space, they actually experience these things being lived out. So over the next six weeks, we're going to look at those in an effort to kind of refocus and re-energize ourselves on what kind of church do we want to be. So today, we're starting with Jesus. Uh, That is the right answer. Uh, It is the most important. This is uh, like, uh, you know, this is a little hub and spoke-ish, meaning like this is really the most important one. And everything else that we value or all these other values really flow out of our centering Jesus in our life as a community of faith. So I want to explore what does it mean to say we value Jesus as a spiritual community. So that's what we're going to do today. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'll invite Larissa She's going to come and read. This is from John chapter 1. So if you're able, I would invite you to stand for the reading of the word. And then we'll dive right in.
name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Pray with me if you would. God, this morning as we gather as your church, I'm grateful for uh, the people that have said yes to awaken and making it home, journeying together. I'm grateful for the invitation that you give to, uh, to partner with you in the work that you're already doing in the world. Um, God, so would you, by your spirit, empower us, this little community, um, in this corner of the world, to, to do the work that you've invited us to, God. To love and serve and give ourselves away in the name of Jesus. I pray in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit. The church said together, amen. You may be seated. So if a church were really serious about putting Jesus in the center and valuing his life and his teachings, his death and his resurrection, like what would that mean? What would mark that church? Uh, I want to start kind of broadly this morning and, and zoomed way out and talk about like theologically, what are the implications of that? And then we'll kind of take it a click deeper and ask like, uh, ecclesiologically, what does that mean as the church? And then practically speaking, um, missionally for us, what does that mean or what are the implications of that? So uh, let's take these in turn. Theologically, uh, the opening of John's gospel, what you just heard, is one of the more beautiful penned parts of the New Testament. It is a, an echo of Genesis chapter 1, if you caught that. Like, in the beginning, the word was with God. John's echoing this, the Genesis story. And it's one of the most important things said about Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He, the word, was with God in the beginning, and through him, the word, all things were made. And then John wraps it up at the end in verse 14 and says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So work that out backwards, right? Jesus of Nazareth is the flesh that dwelt among us. Which means then that Jesus is the word that John speaks about. Which means Jesus is God. Uh, was with God in the beginning and part of the being through whom all things are made. As Hebrew says, the book of Hebrews says, Jesus is the exact representation of God. As Jesus says to his disciples when they ask him, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When we do our uh, Discover Awaken class, which is coming up in a couple weeks, or when we do partnership class, we talk about these values. And if you were in one of those classes or you go to the website, there's a little more detail on what we mean when we say those words, Jesus, justice, authenticity, uh, and when we say Jesus, the, uh, what comes up on the screen is this uh, behind me. We say, we value the word of God and the words of God in scripture. Like, what have I just done? Like, what's, what's happening here, right? We value the word, capital W, of God and the words of God in scripture. What, I've, what, what, what we want to do is separate 
Jesus from the Bible. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Micah, why on earth would you want to do that? Like, you're a pastor. This is church. Like, you're on, you're on, you're on, this is dicey. You're on thin ice here. But I'll say it again. We want to separate Jesus from the Bible. And the reason is because oftentimes when we come to passages in the Bible that don't sound or feel like or reflect what we think Jesus or what we, what we see in Jesus in the Gospels, it's sometimes problematic, yeah? Has anybody ever been in that, that spot before where you read something in your Bible and you're like, that does not sound like Jesus? So separating Jesus, the Word of God, as John 1 talks about it, from the words of God in Scripture is an important move that I want to make, that we want to make. Uh, this allows us to affirm that Scripture is God, breathe that it's that it's. That it's, it's all good, it's all from God, but it also allows us to sort of move, uh, separate those two things, the problematic passages in Scripture from the person, the character, that, uh, the, the love, and the, the, the person that we see in Jesus. So uh, when God it seems to uh, command genocide in the book of Joshua of all the people, like wipe out all the men, women, and children, leave none, none behind, we can say that's not what God is like. Because we've separated the person of Jesus, the character of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the, what we know about Jesus, who is the exact representation from God, from the words of Scripture, and we can say there's got to be something else going on there, right? Um, some of you know, uh, or maybe have read a guy named Greg Boyd. Greg Boyd talks about this as a cruciform hermeneutic. So I want to start really broadly and say, when we say we value Jesus at Awaken, in part... It's an effort to say we want to read the Bible through the lens of Jesus. And we want the words of Scripture to answer to the person of Jesus that we know, revealed to us in his life, in his teachings, in his death, and in his resurrection. Now, I don't know how, uh, how often you've been to church or if you've been to church your whole life. or That is not, um, well, I'll say it this way. For me growing up in church, this is not the message I received about the Bible and about Jesus. It was like this book is, it's, it's holy, it's the word of God. Uh, it's, it's almost to, uh, at a, on a level where it was like worshipped almost. And you couldn't question it. You couldn't ask questions about it. And if the Bible said it, I believe it. That's enough. And for me, I'll just be perfectly honest, that's really problematic. And I found that sort of way of thinking and that way of reading the Bible to be lacking and uh, uh, disappointing at times. So when we talk about valuing Jesus at Awaken, one of the things we want to say is permission to allow the Bible to uh, uh, answer to Jesus. So when we come to difficult passages and we're wondering, like, how, how, that cannot be what God is like. We can say, is that what Jesus is like? Is that what we see in Jesus' life and teachings? And if not, then there's got to be something else going on there. Right? The book of Joshua, for example. Classic like war story of the ancient Near East where people would overinflate something like, oh, on that day, 3,000 people died and our gods win. Uh, and, and really, that's not actually what happened. It's sort of a, an inflation of the, 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 the situation. That, that was common all the time. That's how people told their stories. So we can get into the text and say, like, okay, what's really happening here? Because God commanding genocide of all the people, like that's not what Jesus is like, so we can do a little wrestling and digging. So... As we begin this series and we say we value Jesus, one of the things we want to say out loud is we want to read the Bible through the lens of Jesus. His life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, his character. Because that is what God is like. Jesus is the exact representation of God. When we see him, we see God. 
We tracking on that one, friends? That is so important, so important. And, and for me personally, like so freeing to be able to then take this book seriously and really wrestle with what's in it. Um, honestly and, and intellectually. So that's where we want to start, way, way out there. So when we say we value Jesus, it has theological implications. It also has ecclesiological implications. That's a big word. It's a Greek word, so stick with me. In 1885, a group of churches, a group of spiritual communities banded together to do something together that they couldn't do alone. They committed themselves to new life in Christ and to Scripture being a part of their lives together. They committed themselves to being a priesthood of believers, which meant that while some are set aside to like help worship happen, we're all on the same plane. We're all on the same level in terms of clergy and lay people. That's not really a distinction. So they committed themselves to that. Like We're all priests. We're all ambassadors, representatives of God in the world. They committed themselves to like the whole mission of the church and to giving freedom to one another where there was differences on secondary matters. If you've been around Awaken, you know what I'm doing right now, right? This is what, uh, and, and then they almost called themselves the Mission Friends. So in 1885, all these spiritual communities got together, and they almost called themselves the Mission Friends. The denomination now known as the Evangelical Covenant Church, the one that we're a part of, is what I'm talking about right now. And they were almost the Mission Friends. Why? Because these people recognized that critical, like foundational to what it means to be the church, is that uh, they're, they're, they, were, they, they had a job to do and they were called out for something. This word ekklesia, it's actually a Greek word that goes all the way back before Jesus' time, like 600 BC, uh, think like Athens, Greece. And the ekklesia was a group of people, 18 years or older, men, sorry ladies, that's just the way the world was back then. I'm sure that women would be included now. And uh, they, uh, they were called out, they were separated, and they would come to like the town square, and they would do so uh, on behalf of the city, on behalf of the town, on behalf of the people. And they would reason, they would think about, uh, they could do all kinds of things. They could, like, uh, they could elect new officials to, to, to offices. They could, they could actually like, declare war or, or declare peace. They could um, raise money or spend money. They could approve treaties. They were called out for a purpose... And that purpose was to reason on behalf of the people uh, like a way forward that was best for everybody. Now what's fascinating is the New Testament writers, Paul mostly, could have used a whole bunch of different words to talk about this group of people that we now call the church, right? The, the followers of Jesus. And almost exclusively, except for like two times in the New Testament, he uses the word ecclesia. So Paul steals a word that's not religious at all, and he uses it to describe this group of people, the followers of Jesus, those who are called out and separated by God and for God for a purpose. In Acts chapter 20, Luke writes, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood, he being Jesus. Little review of the Bible. One of the major stories in the Bible is that God has invited a group of people to be ambassadors of God in the world. So all the way back at the beginning of the story, Adam and Eve, humans, are invited to like co-create, to be stewards with God in this work of like uh, uh, shalom, like making sure that flourishing is, is happening for, for all of creation. This is what humans were supposed to do. It doesn't take long to, to mess that story up. And by Genesis 12... God chooses one family, the family of Abraham, who becomes the nation of Israel, to be a representative people. 
So when you find that group of people, you find a group of people who are in relationship with God, who are meant to like image God's likeness and care for the world into the world. That group of people, that covenant, that agreement is marked by circumcision and if you're Israel in the Old Testament. So when Jesus comes along in the New Testament, something shifts drastically. And God's people moves from being centered around Israel and circumcision to now being centered around Jesus and baptism, this, this symbol of water. So for us, when we say we value Jesus, we're tapping into a story that goes back thousands and thousands of years, a river that has been, has been running for centuries, like all the way back before Jesus ever got here. And that river is God's intention to, uh, to like represent God's self to the world through a group of people. So when we say we value Jesus, that is like saying we're tapping into the story where this new group of people in the New Testament are bound by Jesus, centered around Jesus, and have something to do in the world. It's, it's the ecclesia. You're called out. You're separated for something. Not just to come and hear good music and see lights and smoke and do whatever, it, you know. No. Like... Which gets me to this last point. So when we say we value Jesus, it has theological implications. It has ecclesiological. You're separated, called out for something. And that is a missional purpose. You have a job to do, and you've been invited to do something in the world. Um, this group of people, uh, the, the covenant folks that I talked about earlier, they, they almost call themselves the mission friends, which because they understood that the church had a job to do. They were invited by God to do something and be something in the world, to be ambassadors and representatives. In the book of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, I'm going to leave, but you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, the, and to the ends of the earth. Paul later in Corinth says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself and has given us, the church, a ministry of reconciliation. We're ambassadors of God, he says, almost as though God is making his appeal through you. Said differently, and let me be as bold and as winsome as I possibly can here, The church of Jesus Christ does not exist to meet or serve the needs of its constituents. Can I get an amen? The church of, I'm going to say that again. The church of Jesus does not exist to serve and meet the needs of its constituents. That's called a country club or the YMCA or the Elks. I don't know. What are those what are those called? You know, you know like kind of like the VFW but it's the Elks Club or something like that. You know what I'm saying? All you Wisconsin folks who go out wander around in the backwoods, you know these places, right? You go to snowmobiles on those places. They usually have bars and pull tabs, right? Yeah, like the Elks Club. Anyways, <laughs> the Church of Jesus is far different from this, friends. It does not exist primarily to serve the needs of its constituents. Rather, we are in partnership with God to be ambassadors of God's love to the world that we live in. And while, yes, we need to be whole and integrated and healthy people to do that work, the work of the church is primarily about those outside of this gathering. Are you, are you with me? Are you tracking here? So I want to close by 
saying this. A couple, that means a couple of things. It means, number one, that if you stick around Awaken and you consider this home and me one of your pastors, like, I'm going to challenge you, uh, as, again, as lovingly and as winsomely as I possibly can, but I'm going to challenge you to grow and to serve and to use your gifts. I'm going to challenge you to grow spiritually and emotionally, to become more mature, to, to move from milk to solids, as Paul says in the New Testament. I'm going to challenge you to learn, to be reflective, to be self-reflective, to be contemplative, to take time alone and in quiet. I'm going to challenge you to grow in your faith. I want you to be moving, not static. And so I'm going to invite you to grow. I'm going to invite you, I'm going to, invite you to serve to not just receive while you're a part of our community. It's important that we breathe in, and it's important that we breathe out, that there's this rhythm in our lives of receiving and giving. So I'm going to challenge you to serve, which means that like when we gather and we come and we do this, our life together, it requires all hands. And you have something in your hands, and I'd like you to know what it is. I'd like you to know what your one wild, precious gift is, Mary Oliver, right? Your one wild and precious life. There's something that you've been given, uh, gifts like personality, experiences, work that God has done that brings you to this place, and only you can do what you can do. So don't bury that. Don't sit on that. Use that. Invest that. Leverage that for the, for the sake of love and the gospel and good work in the world, yeah? I'm going to challenge you to grow. I'm going to challenge you to serve, to get involved, to be a part of our life together, to not just come and receive on Sundays, but to like serve around here, but then also in your neighborhoods. I want to deploy you back to wherever you live. If you don't live in this neighborhood and you can't come serve breakfast at Adams for their you know, teachers, find your neighborhood school and do that, right? Take the things that we're talking about, the lessons, the, the ideas, and apply them where you live. I want to, and I'm going to challenge you to serve and use your gifts, Invest them, leverage them like, for the sake of love and the gospel. I'm also going to challenge the notions of individualism and consumerism in our culture. Right? We live in a world like, uh, that is highly individualistic, and it's really oftentimes about you and what you want. And that's just the total opposite of the church. That's the total opposite of the heartbeat of God's people. So I'm going to challenge that. Uh, I'll let you in on a little conversation we had this last week. Um, here's how it went. We were talking about, you know, kickoff and all the things that happened. COVID happened, and so we have a live stream now. I don't know if you guys know this or not. There's two cameras back there. Hey, everybody on the live stream, nice to see you. That's a two-minute delay, so they'll get that in about two minutes. Um, and we were talking about the live stream, and I said, you know what? Sometimes I just want to kill the live stream. Just get rid of it. And I'll tell you why pause, I know that like, that's been a real gift for people in the season that we've come out of, and I know that there are still people who, uh, for whatever reason, um, like, are, are using that as a way to stay connected and to be involved in our church, and it's all good, okay? Period. And, <laughs> have you ever heard the phrase, the medium is the message? So if you think about communication, like, it, it comes in a package, and the package in which it comes actually does something. So the medium, it, it is the message. And in a lot of ways, a live stream promotes individualism, consumerism, um, self-sufficiency. 
and independence because of the medium. It doesn't promote interdependence and community and connectivity. It like actually works against that thing that I think is at the heart of what the church is all about. So sometimes I think, just get rid of it. Let's, you ever wish you could just go back? You ever just like record the podcast and like that's all? There's just an audio podcast in case you missed it. Why? Because this matters. Being in a room together, like face-to-face, flesh and blood, incarnational stuff, like not mediated by a screen. I'm kind, maybe I'm old school. Maybe I'm getting old and, you know, like... But sometimes I just think this, this is what matters. Like being in a room together, having meals, showing up in person, and... That medium just runs, like, it cuts the legs out from underneath it. And sometimes I'm like, just get rid of it. We're not going to, probably, at least not yet. <laughs> but I want to challenge that. I want to challenge that. And I want you to hear me say it. I'm going to ask you to sacrifice something. To, like, put skin in the game to be a part of something that matters. And if it matters, my grandpa always said, there's no substitute for a hard day's work, and if it matters, it's worth doing hard. It's worth doing well. It's worth sacrificing for. And I believe that this thing called the church, centered on Jesus, is worth our sacrifice. It's worth your life. It's worth our sweat and our tears and our effort and all the things. So I want to invite you, I want to challenge you to like be in it with me, to be in it with us. Which means like you're, you're present, you're here. And when you can't, you know, there'll be a live stream available. (laughs) You get what I'm saying, right? And it also means I want to deploy you back to your neighborhoods. Some of you, you drive 10, 15, 20 minutes to get here. It's fine. It's great, okay? There are some times when we say we're going to serve the teachers at Adams, which is the neighborhood school, because we are in this neighborhood, and there are people who go to this church who live in this neighborhood. And you might be thinking, well, that's great, but I can't drive 25 minutes from where I live to come and do that. Yeah, and I don't want you to, actually. I'd like to deploy you where you live. I'd like to send you from this gathering where we celebrate Eucharist and we sacraments and word and, word and sacrament, and then I want to send you back to wherever it is you live with these principles and these ideas and this way of living so that you can incarnate the life of Jesus where you live. I don't want you to drive here and spend all your currency here and then have nothing left where you live. Does that make sense? So this is important. I love it. It's like a big seminar. I'll come. We'll, t- we'll teach you. We'll you know, open the scriptures. We'll celebrate the sacraments. And then we'll send you back. Why? Because we've been given a job to do. We've been invited. Holy cats. We've been invited by the, like, the divine presence that makes all things live and move and have their being to be partners in the work of love and of forgiveness, and of justice, and of mercy, and grace. We've been invited by that being to be the ambassadors of it, to like be the face of it, to be the hands and the feet of it, to follow the way of Jesus into the world and give ourselves away for the sake of the gospel. And Jesus says, I promise you, it looks foolish to the world, but it's wisdom, and it's life. The question I want to ask you this morning is, what kind of church do you want to build? I, I, I usually don't have any hesitation of laying my cards on the table, and I, I will not today either. I, I do not want to lead a church that's about consumerism. 
that puts on a good Sunday morning show and I entertain you and Mel's a great musician and I'm a halfway decent speaker and so we fill the room and that's all we do. Bullocks. I'm not interested in it. I want more for you. I want more for us. And I think the world wants more from us. And God wants more of us. So what I want, what I pray for, what I strive for, what I hope for is a church, a community of people who are called out, who are separated, uh, uh, set apart for a purpose. And that purpose is to be the ambassadors, the faces, the hands, the feet of this Jesus who leads us to a cross and says, give away your life even for your enemy. Love and forgiveness and mercy and justice is the way to life, and I promise you it is. Like, follow me to it. And I'm saying, I'm in. Are you? That's actually a question I want to ask you. Are you, are you up for that? Like, that's the kind of church I want to build, and, and I want you to help me do it. So, that's all I have to say. Let's pray. God, thanks for this day. Thanks for uh, who you are. Thank you for this community. Um, thank you for the invitation that you've given to follow Jesus, his life and his teachings, his very way of being human in the world for the sake of love, for the sake of uh, resurrection. So, God, we want to be about that as much as we can today. We say yes to that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, um, even now, in this moment of silence, you would remind us that you are what Jesus was. That, that, that like your very essence is the face, the love, the character of Jesus. That we've been, remind us that we've been invited and called. Like we've been given a task to do. To love and serve and give ourselves away in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that as we do that, as we say yes to that, that you would... Um, bring about new life all around us, in our homes and in our schools, in our neighborhoods, even, even in our politics, in policies and in institutions. God, would you do that work uh, in our time, I pray. So Holy Spirit, lead and guide. As we close this morning, I want to invite you to respond. Um, Mel's going to lead us in song, and as they do, uh, there is communion available on my right and left. There's red wine and there's white grape juice. So we invite you to take a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, and as you do, know that the body of Christ has been broken for you, the blood of Christ has been shed for you. Uh, there's hand sanitizer on your way up there and the bread's gluten-free, so everybody's welcome. That's a good ending, actually, you know. All you people, there's work to be done. So leave with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the church said together, Adios amigos. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.